you have to trust your horse. You don't force it to go places it just really doesn't want to go, unless you have to. Welcome to the Horsewoman Project, a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses. Well, we are on today with a very special guest. He happens to be my grandpa and the guy who got me addicted to horses. Um, his name is Larry, and we're just super excited to have him on and to have him share his story. He has a few things and tips from his long life riding horses. He is an avid trail rider and is part of a a group of men who all go out and take and do a lot of really big horse adventures. Um, So we're really excited for him to share his story today and just allow him to give us some of what he has learned throughout his long time in the saddle. It has been a long time. Uh, You have to understand I'm 82 years old. So when I was a little boy, every hero I had on earth wore two pistols and rode a horse. My favorite was Roy Rogers. If you want a horse experience, you watch Roy Rogers on trigger. You got to do it two or three times and you'll be shocked. But then I always wanted to have a horse and didn't have a place to put one. So I would bicycle from my house on the west side to the fairgrounds. So I bought a horse and I boarded him at the fairgrounds. So my dream came true. I became a horseman. And it got bigger and better and bigger and better. And then I went to an Arabian horse show in Spanish Fort. And there was a horse, the most beautiful horse I've seen in my entire life. El Pasha Sharif Prince. You can't imagine. Matching white socks, black knees, chrome bay. His, his, his forelocks went to his nose. His, his mane went to his shoulders. And he was trained Western pleasure. English pleasure, dressage, and uh, he was an English pleasure. And I just sat there stunned. I never dreamed I could own such an animal. So the guy next to me was a man named Don Kelly, who owned it and was just in the process of selling it. So I lived in South Jordan at the time, and we became friends. And he said, Larry, be patient. A very rich surgeon body. And for a girl who's 13, she'll discover boys at 14. Stick around. So I ended up owning El Pasha Sharif Prince for a sapphire ring because I was in the jewelry business large. And when I got on that horse, I had no idea. But let me tell you a few tips about riding horses. Number one, it's not a hobby. Golf's hobby. Tennis's hobby. Horses are a way of life. If you don't want that way of life, don't be part of it. Number two, to really get on a horse and move good distances with comfort, you must have preparations from your ankles and feet. You must, if it hurts, you decrease pleasure. So you work on your prep. You work on your socks. You work on your boots. Always have an undergarment of some kind. I have both have garments and different things. And then you, when you're comfortable, 
then you must erase fear because your horse feels fear and feels doubt. If you doubt, he is upset, even if it's a fraction is too much. And then I became a horseman. I rode and rode. You'd have to go to the South Jordan to see where my barn was. It was a beautiful place. And I rode clear to Kennecott Copper. And I rode, I rode all over the west of the South Jordan. <laughs> and I was riding one day, and two cowboys pulled up on main horses. I should have known better. And the one guy said, that's a nice horse for a, a rabbit. And I said, I got $200 I can beat you to the Copperton uh, restaurant with the hitching post from Copperton, Utah. That's the people, employees of Kennecott went to play eight drink of the pool. He took me up on the bet. And I, as we started to move quickly, I realized I had a problem. It wasn't an ordinary quarter horse. It was a thoroughbred quarter horse. It was a, what, what we call the, anyway, he, he did the chariot racing. But anyway, we took off and he took the lead for about a half an hour. Then an hour went by. We ended up in the Copperton Cemetery. And the great El Pasha Sharif was just getting ready for hot action. I could feel it. And he said to me, I'm done. And I said to him, I don't care if I have the $200, but I'm going up to that hitching post because I made a promise. We trotted all the way up through Copperton the hitching post of that restaurant. And I used to have, she had a Barry Goldwater sticker and that waitress came out and wrote on the sticker, I have witnessed a beautiful Arabian horse. There is no sweat on this horse's body. Actually, there was underneath the breast collar and saddle. Anyway, I want to say this. I can't express to you the joy of being on a horse. It's not measurable, as we know, everything else that you do with a hobby. And when you're riding, take a break. Just stop sometime and look around. But when you, sometimes you just have to love that moment. And you're going to feel it. Michaela knows. That means I, I raised a little breath. That's another story. Uh-oh. <laughs> I love that girl. She was in diapers. Do you understand, folks? Diapers. Horses <laughs> and uh, horses. Now I take her to the horse barn and return Sharif lives. I don't know if she remembers Sharif, but she wants the most beautiful horses ever born. Go around the ring in a full battle. His nostrils screaming and arched. And he wouldn't, he, he, I never tired him. And by the way, that's Michaela's start. And she never quit. It's passion. If you don't have the passion, change sports because you must have passion. Passion and belief in yourself. You have to believe that you can go 25 miles. You have to believe you can go 40 miles. You have to believe when you're tired, you can turn around and run home. If you believe it, you start to achieve it. And pretty soon it becomes a habit. <laughs> what a joyous habit it is. But the rest of the story is, 
I moved to Provo because our diamond business exploded. And I had I moved Sharif to Canyon Road. And that's where Michaela saw him. And then 20 years later, I joined the Rough Riders. There was eight of us. Belly down, nostrils flared. I mean, I didn't, I mean, we've had 19 guests in 32 years, and not one has repeated. Not one. Let me slow down now. We used to ride and camp in the night. But the next thing I want to say to you as far as tips is, the chest must be free. It must be free to move and change. And you must be ready. If this horse sees danger and it's only eight inches from his left foot, you better be ready for a lunge for the right. It might be eight inches or two feet, but you must be ready. And if that happens, you put your feet out and you take the lunge and ride with it. So anyway, I'm 82 and my feet hurt so bad, I haven't ridden for a while. But I've made a decision. I'm going to start riding and I'm going to live with the pain. I cannot ride. I'm a Cowboy on the saddle is lost. And if I had one more tip, always give acknowledgement when you see excellence or attempt at excellence. Like Michaela has students, encourage, acknowledge, encourage, acknowledge. In my career as a horseman, I've, I've ridden with cowboys, real ones. No, 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 not little wannabes like me. I mean, guys who, who spur. When you know a cowboy, when his when his when his uh, spurs jingle, they don't jingle; they jangle, jingle because the the, the the spur has worn out the ramp that it's on. Anyway, I watched an episode when episode when her horse had. Trigger anxiety. And I'll wash the way she handled that horse. I can't express to you how important that is because I've watched cowboys throw rocks at him and beat them into the trailer. And I just can't do that. I can never do that. Just don't believe in that. I believe in kindness, good words, and take time. If it takes two or three tries, two or three or four, then get him in the trailer, drive around a little bit, take him out and put him in again. But don't throw rocks at him. Don't hit him. Don't hurt him. Because, you know, that horses aren't as intelligent as dogs, they say. If you believe that, you're a darn fool. They remember it. For instance, I sent Michaela out to find my last horse. And of course, he comes finds this magnificent, gorgeous Palomino, Tennessee Walker. But he loves the ladies. The younger, the better. He doesn't like men because he remembers. So please, if you have a horse you love, kindness, good words. Don't sharp, he doesn't mean sharp words. Why do you think horses love women? They are soft words and they're soft with them. 
Anyway, you can ask questions. Thank you for having me, by the way. It's a great honor. We love to Thank have you. you on. Thank you for sharing all of yeah. that. I loved all of that. So I want a couple of stories from Michaela's childhood. Because, oh no! <laughs> Rarely do I get this opportunity to hear funny horse stories of Michaela right. when she was young. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Di first diapers, and she and so somebody would hold her, or I would hold her, and Sharif would go around that pen. Now she thinks her horse can go around the pen thirty times without tiring is normal, but it wasn't. So, what do you want me to say? Her passion was horses. So, some girls get dolls. <laughs> when we traveled to Idaho, we got new, what are they, Brian, Breen? We got corrals, we got corrals, feeding pens, we got palominos, we got paints, we got everything. The Michaela was happy. And when I go visit her, she'd have under her bed drawings of horses. If anybody loves horses more than Michaela, I want to meet them. Yeah, I would travel <laughs> to do it. But her youth had many wonderful things. She's the only daughter of all these brat boys. <laughs> <laughs> she survived. <laughs> ah, there's something special about that. But when you're the only daughter, you have to have certain inner strengths. You have, have to have certain inner powers that are only hers. It can't be shared. It can't be taught. It has to be a possession. But her youth was horsey. And every time I go to visit, we correct or paint your drawings. Remember, Michaela? Oh, yes. Too, too short. These nostrils are not even. The eyes do not, it's too far up. And I tell her to get the eye closer to the nostrils and look at paint, look at paintings and pictures of great horses. And she got better and better and better. And a few years ago, she painted me on my pillow here. I'm sorry. I'm old and I'm sentimental. And I wrote a letter. Do you still have that letter, Michaela? Of course I do. Hangs <laughs> where I can see it. And I will say this take care of yourself. Take care of your health. I'm 82. I have the strength of a man 70, but my feet are gone. But I, like I said, I've made the decision. I don't care about the cotton picking darn pain. I'll be on that horse if it's the last thing I do. And if it is the last thing I do, I'll be happy. But Michaela's childhood was horses. And if you think different, you don't understand the situation. And she was beautiful and charming. She was one of the most beautiful babies we've ever seen. Her baby picture was on our wall for years and years, but she was naked, so we had to take it off. <laughs> yeah, my father-in-law has a picture of my husband and his brother's little bare butts on his fridge still from when they were about three years old. So <laughs> She was about 
eight months old, I think. I'm proud of you too. I'm proud of your podcast. I take care of your people and teach them wisdom. And don't forget, the cowboy way is not the way. Cowboys got away with it because the horse had no options. But now that day has passed. It's gone forever. I'm glad. I can't tell you how cowboys treated horses because I've been there. I'm one of the elk hunts. And I just couldn't believe it. I mean, they put the pasture out for five months and bring it in, expect it to be a good little horse. If they didn't, they'd beat, it, they'd beat him into it. But Makeda's childhood, she's living it now. She's living the eat dream. So if you don't mind, I would love to hear about um, if you have maybe one of your top five memories on a horse. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you sure you're ready? We're ready. So coat. ready. <laughs> I used to wear a Coke single action revolver on my right hip, four and three quarter inch barrel. Two, first two cartridges were birdshot. And so here's the first one. I was in South Jordan. And I left my house in South Jordan, rode clear across the Kennecott property, clear across the Harriman, the little town that was Harriman, up to Rose Canyon. And it was pitch black. And of course, Cherie didn't care about any of that stuff. I looked down and I and I so I went down and I went to the next rural canyon. And there was a Satan worshiping, devil worshiping party down beneath me. They sacrificed a goat. <laughs> I couldn't let it go. <laughs> it was just too good. But you know, I looked back on it and I trusted my horse. Listen to me carefully. Know your horse. I took this adventure and I rode through the camp because I knew he could make the next 20 miles belly down if he had to. And they couldn't keep up with me, even in pickup trucks in the desert. So I went right through the camp. <laughs> they were, the, the P word wasn't at me. They were really upset. So they chased me on the dirt road in their pickup trucks in Sharif. My legs were perfect. They were far back enough that his heart and chest could move. And he galloped and ran, and I was about 35, 36, 35, yeah. And I moved like light. And their lights didn't bother him. Nothing bothered him. He knew the mission. He knew what to do. We hit Rose Park on a gallop. He crossed the road. I was scared because he might slip. We got into the desert to my home, and they gave up. That's why. I want you to tell some stories. Um, Grandpa likes to go watch the wild horses, and sometimes he's ridden and met some wild horses on some of his rides. Do you want to tell some stories about your experiences with them? Yes, I will. Somehow, some way, I discovered the wild horse herd of a Simpson Spring. And, uh, Sharif was getting old. And I took him out there. I didn't know who I was with. Maybe I was alone. And we rode toward the horses. 
And there was a pack of about 50 to 60. And they had stallions. And I didn't you know. So then I, I got up in about 100 yards. And I knew it was a sacred moment. I got off the saddle and just sat down on my butt. And sure enough, it began to happen. The two stallions went at it. And I tell you, they made movies of that stuff from the old cowboy movies. But it was a good one. They would rear up, straight up, and their feet would rail toward each other. they strike each other. And then one would go down to bite the stomach and different things. It was shocking. But it was beautiful. And so the winner took his, took his rejoined the herd, and the loser rolled away. And uh, I saw many things. And I took Michaela out there. Do you remember Michaela? I sure do. Um, oh my gosh. And, and then we had, there was a white, we, we found a spring, remember? And, there was, and so I sat her down and I got away. I said, don't move. Don't have fear. They don't care about you. The stallion will decide when they go to the water. And I put her about 30 yards from the water. And the white stallion would pace around. He went left and right. And finally, he went down. And here they came. And if you remember, McKenna, they came within 30 feet of you. He was right in the middle of a wild horse. There wasn't a lot of them, maybe 15, 20, but it's still an experience of a lifetime. And guess what? That white stallion, I went back off when he left, and he got old and started losing the petals. It's time to be a hermit. He would have followed the herds from 100, 150 yards more. Then one time, I went by where they captured the pens, where they capture them all. And he was alone. And I knew in my heart he was preparing to die. I never saw him again. Well, the wild horses are very fascinating because uh, the mares have their own little systems going. They nip at each other a little bit, and, and, you know, and they protect their babies. But the stallions are storing all their own. They'll leave the six mares they've got and run toward another pack and see if they can get away with it. Taking one from a stallion, if the stallion fights him hard enough, it doesn't have to be a long battle, just a battle. And the, and the challenger knows if he can whip him or not. If he can't, he'll let it go. If he, if he thinks he can, it's a real story. It's something to see. But the wild horses are a thing of its own beauty. It's its own world. So there's wonderful stories about the wild horses. Yeah. I do have another question for you about your Rough Rider days. Looking back now, because you've been with them like, what, over 40 years? 32, 33 years. 33 years. Is there something you wish you would have done when you first started with them? My first thing you want to do is stay alive. 
first of all, I knew horses could move. I didn't know how to be a steady thing day and night. Uh, I don't know if I changed much when I first met him. I think I wish I I wish I took more pictures and I had more pictures, but Bob Taylor was the photographer. But uh, when I first met him, I was a little bit surprised. But I don't know what I could do different, Michaela. But it was so different because I was an archery hunter. And I grew up hunting with archers. And it was so different. They would, they would look at waitresses in a way you don't need to, and they would talk about stuff you don't need to talk about. When I met the Rough Riders, there was none of that. The Rough Riders were priesthood and marriage, period, who rode horses ferociously and didn't give a twit about what happened. <laughs> I'll tell you a Rough Rider story. We were deep, deep in the San Rafael swell. So deep, we, 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 we had at least three or four hours getting there. We had lunch there. Then we headed back. On the way there, there was a certain trail that rose up. And two, and on the way, the right, the right if, I, if I had trouble right, I would fall on boulders and the river. Sure death. To my left was a sheer wall. On the way back, Sharif took the lead. And he was moving toward that spot like light. And I was starting to worry. So I, sure enough, I tightened my legs, I tightened my hands, and I tightened my heart. And Sharif knew it. So we went faster. And I said to myself, if something goes wrong, I'm going to die hard or live in a wheelchair. And I heard a voice from Bob Taylor. Trust your horse, Larry. Thrust your horse. I don't give a trip if anybody else heard it, but I did. I took my legs off the hip ribs. I loosened my hands. He slowed down about a third. He ran over that thing like it was nothing. But if I can, I think that's the, I've used it in the Sunday school for many, uh, you know, trust your savior, trust whatever. But that's two, those two, two little short words. Trust your horse, man. Trust your horse. You butt up. Let the horse do it. I can't give you a better example, better advice than that. You get in a spot you don't want to be. Trust your horse. You know, the Rough Riders have done an amazing thing. But the difference was I gave up archery hunting. Because I love being around men of honor. And we loved And we camped. You believe that? Now we, we rent homes. I don't know what you call it. Help you what, what something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But when we camped, we would sit around the fire and tell stories of our life. So when you're on horses, your inner self comes out, doesn't it? The best of you. Mm -hmm. The best doesn't come out. Stop riding horses. Because I'm when I got through archery hunters, I just realized that this is not my world. I don't want to be around men who water their wives, water their moms. 
the Rough Riders. So if I had to do something different, I don't know what it would be because I was the butt of all the jokes. <laughs> they go to a restaurant. We had this waitress. And, and Bob Taylor would say, if I could say one word that make everybody laugh, do you think what, what would it be? She says, I don't know. He said, well, watch, Larry. <laughs> so, and so, you know, the wives and stuff say, why do you tease Larry all the time? And over, and no, uh, Jim Lindahl says, because it's so easy. <laughs> he just opens things <laughs> up and. <laughs> Um, I am curious because you had a lot of um accidents and things with horses as well. And if you uh -huh. want, you can you can kind of share some of some of your bigger ones. But what um or I guess did did your accidents ever make you want to stop riding? And how did you work through some of the natural fear that comes up after you have accidents? Well, Wow. <laughs> yes, I have. We were rough riders. And so I ended up on the A team, which meant we had to beat everybody else by the trailer, no matter what. So we took a we took a, a road. I wasn't on I was on Jamal. Remember Jamal? I loved Jamal. We were moving fast, too fast, because we took the long way back from trailers and let them take the way they came home, the way we got there. We got there on trail A, we took trail B, which was a third longer, so we had movement to make, hard movement, and so it was my grand horse and me, Bob Taylor, Richard Willis. That's the 18th. I have an honor to be on it. I was the oldest person in the rough night. So we had we were going, we were going down this road, it was typical of mountain roads. And there's a road, they had these little drain cuts going across the road. So if you want a four-wheeler or something, that the water would drain off the road. And Jamal was moving and make hey, that I mean belly down. <laughs> and I was 50 something, maybe 60. And so I said to myself, if that horse hits that thing wrong, we're going down. Well, I shouldn't have said it to myself. I set myself up, you know what I mean? And sure as living heck, it hit that ditch. It was only four inches with one foot. And I, he threw me in the air. I could feel myself sailing in the air. And being a baseball player, I, I ended up on my back. And I look up and here comes Jamal, saddled them all, right on top of me. You can't express to you what it's like to see that saddle coming out of your chest. But the horn missed my chest. 
Michaela knows well my big red saddle. The horn is it was it's a, made for a uh, cutting horse champion in 1967. It's, what is it? 70 something years old. And I just polished it last week again. I polish it for a hobby. And here comes the horn. If the horn hit me, I'll be in a wheelchair. Because the horse was only 650 pounds, 700 pounds. The, the saddle's 40. And the combination would crush my, do something. But the horn missed my body. Then I watched him take my foot, break my ankle. I watched it in slow motion. Telegram is right behind him. And he said to himself, oh my cuss. And he didn't cuss, of course, he can't cuss. But he says something. And then he said, all I could see was your hat and your boots and the horse with his four legs flying in the air. I thought, who's gonna, I gotta call Carol. So anyway. He broke my ankle bad. And uh, Dr. Taylor was with the group. So they got the horse, got her off me. And he would stretch me out and he put his hands down my legs. He would start with my thighs. He'd feel his waist down for broken bones. And he felt my, my ribs for broken bones and found none. So they, so they put me on a horse. And the grand walked back. So he said, Larry, you're going to the hospital now. The grand, can you drive all night? He said, Of course I can. And we got in that. And he put me sideways in the little truck and put my leg up. So I so my leg was between them, and the grand raced all the way to the hospital. I got there about four in the morning, maybe five in the morning. So they come to see me about seven and gave me the traveling boot, Rough Rider boot, because I'm the one in the hospital. So that's, I survived that. That's my second book. Now listen to me carefully. As for fear, I don't look like it now, but in my day, I was a Rutherford of West Miller County, my father's son. I never knew fear. I still hate it. I will not acknowledge it. And instead, I was more thirsty for the saddle because I had to be on the horse to be complete and whole. Now I'm sad, but I, I'll make it work somewhere. I'm, I'm getting ready to call Maddie. And we'll figure it out. I'll just take the pain. The first accident was actually worse than that other one. I broke both ankles. And uh, everybody has their own story, Michaela. But as for your grandpa, I don't acknowledge fear. I don't honor it. It will never enter my life or change it. As far as the horse goes, it's not a religion, but it's the next thing to it. It's a passion. And it's my passion. But you have, you honor people.
I love that you didn't let that fear limit you from doing something that you're so passionate about and something that means so much to you in your life to have horses in your life. Um, that's, you can tell by the way that you tell the story that that experience is, you know, as many years ago as it was, it's still very fresh in your mind of how scary that was to see that horse coming towards you. Um, so it's, it's just crazy to me that you were able to overcome that and just not let that limit you. That's amazing. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you for your acknowledgement. I appreciate it more you might know. Yeah, really I've had a few accidents myself, and it's not easy to overcome those. So. Well, everybody has a different reaction. There is somebody close to me who had an accident a year ago, and they went for a horse ride. You wouldn't saddle up. Also, I must add, you have to trust your horse. You don't force it to go places it just really doesn't want to go unless you have to. You don't have to force him to take trails. But at a certain age, when you're ladies, you've done it all. What have you got to prove? Michaela wants to do 100 miles, and she will, I promise you. That's, that's, her, that's her golden oath. That will happen. But you don't have to court danger. It's not necessary. And your horse usually will keep you from it. You've got to learn to trust your horse. Yeah, my father-in-law, he's, um, what is he now? I think 71. Um, and he just told me a story a couple of days ago about trusting a horse and this was years ago that he experienced this and they ended up getting lost I think is what had happened and they were coming back from a trail ride in the dark and he couldn't see a thing just pitch black and this horse he just like he put the his hand down on his withers and just let him take him home and that horse took him home and he said it was the craziest thing because they would come across trees that had branches that would have just knocked my father-in-law off the horse and the horse would stop every time and my father-in-law couldn't see the trees he didn't know he would have just been knocked off the horse and this horse would stop each and every time at these branches and wait for my father-in-law to duck under or move the branch and and get past and then it would carry on and it was just the coolest story of just you know he couldn't see anything couldn't he, but he trusted his horse and that horse did everything that it needed to do uh, to keep him safe so it's amazing what your horse will do if you just let go of that control a little bit and trust your horse leave it and I, I, your, your father-in-law i've been there three or four times rough riders lost at night twice we got more, you know, we, we explore a new trail. We, you know, we're thirsty for hot action. So we think, well, we can do anything, really. Well, when the sun goes down and you're on a trail and you're 16 miles from your traders, you better be real careful. Don't be afraid to pray once in a while. There's been two rough riders circles not participating in no night and your I acknowledge your father-in-law for his wisdom 
you're smart enough to know that I don't have it all. And I have a partner who's in the same spot I'm in. That partner has keener eyes and keener nostrils and has a keen heart and he wants to get home to. Absolutely. I love hearing these stories because grandpa, I lived with grandpa for four years ah, after college and he used to get brother. so mad at me <laughs> when I was just doing what he does all the time. I get so many lectures for riding out late at night. <laughs> Lots of don't ever do that again, Michaela. <laughs> well, the truth is she would... I don't want you people all think this was normal. <laughs> but she sat up at 11 o'clock at night and be there till four in the morning. Expect me to have a nice, nice, nice sleep. She'd come home and I'd wait for the door to answer. I wouldn't say a word to her till the next day. But she'd ride in the middle of the night and Maddie would ride with her. Who else would ride with you? I don't know. Now you're kidding me. And so I know how she rides. We're not talking about little walking down the mountain. We're talking pop trot. So I know those mountains. I know I've been everyone. I've been here. I married Carol 34 years ago. I moved here 37 years ago. And I had my horse at Gary Smith's. And you know, the horse at my own place. And those trails are all familiar with me. They're, they're not night friendly, except for Michaela. And uh, I did get after her, but as always, I lost every fight. No, I trust Michaela. I trust her wisdom on the horse. She won't beat it into being someplace it doesn't want to be. That little horse trader thing, you don't know what that means to me, Michaela. And all your followers trust her take you on the right path and the other ladies i don't know her as well but just do what they say and you'll be safe if you do get hurt for heaven's sakes if you're able to get back in the saddle if you're not get back anyway later i love it thank you so much grandpa for coming on and sharing everything i love to hear all these stories yeah no, thank more. you so another time we'll do some more I'll Sounds just, great. I'll just watch this and not repeat it. <laughs> I love it. Well, we really appreciate having you on. Well, thank you so much. You, I just, it means a lot to me. It's thank you for me. sharing your insights and wisdom and all of your fun stories. And to our listeners, thanks for listening and joining us this week. We will chat with you next week. Thank you for listening to The Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.